all of you in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Let's bow our heads. Gracious Heavenly Father, we are very much thankful. We are just about to read your word. And Lord, let it not just be a reading. Help us to get an inspiration behind the scripture. Not just an inspiration, but the impartation of life as well. We are here because we have realized the word is the source of our life. What could we be without the word? Our protection comes from the word. Our healing comes from the word. We have gathered here with a, a degree of understanding, dear God, that this is not just a gathering in vain. That is why we have made our way to the house of the Lord. As you said, not forsaking the assembling of the saints. That is the scripture that we are here to fulfill. But while we are here to fulfill it, we know you've got something that you want to impart on us. And Lord, we just say, let the Holy Spirit move and let nothing hinder the operation of the Holy Spirit. And as we commit everything to you, in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, amen. 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 As we... As we turn to the book of Exodus... One, Exodus one, verse six to twelve. Exodus one, verse six to twelve. If you found it, you can say Amen. Uh, amen. It reads in this manner: He found. And Joseph died, and all his brethren, and all that generation. And the children of Israel were fruitful, and increased abundantly, and multiplied, and waxed exceeding mighty, and the land was filled with them. Now there arose up a new king over Egypt, which knew not Joseph, And he said unto his people, Behold, the people of the children of Israel are more and mightier than we are. Come, let us deal wisely with them, lest they multiply, and it come to pass that when there falleth out any war, they join also unto our enemies and fight against us, and so get them up out of the land. Therefore, They did set over them taskmasters to afflict them with their burdens, and they built for Pharaoh treasure cities, Pithom and Ramses. But the more they afflicted them, the more they multiplied and grew, and they were grieved because of the children of Israel. Isn't such a beautiful thing that the more they were afflicted, the more they multiplied and grew? Amen. As you take your seats. Amen. Just to think this this is our last midweek service for 2016. And then we'll announce on Sunday when we are going to commence in January. I think it is run about the 15th, but we'll confirm the date with you. Amen. So, what is happening is that uh, we know after next week we've got a convention, but uh, the Sunday services, they continue as normal. Are we together? Amen. I think we've got this Sunday and the next Sunday, and then from there we are into the convention. Hallelujah. And just make sure that you become prayerful for the convention. Are we together? Amen. So... I received a call from Brother George Martin. He says the believers from his assembly would join us for the convention. So we are hoping to have a great time with them as well. Amen. Are we together? How many? Just continue praying for the convention. Uh, It's not just a, a gathering for logistical purposes, but it's a spiritual gathering. Amen. So sometime... Uh, somebody that may be healed in the convention 
it, it may not necessarily be because of how anointed a speaker is, but it may be because of your anointed prayer before the convention. Are we together? As I often say, I, I heard about a certain man that he, during the convention, one convention, before they could, before the service could start, this person had time, would move from chair to chair, praying and say, God, whoever is going to sit on this chair, if they've got needs, may you grant them and move to the next chair. For some reason, they were amazed in those meetings. People repented without being preached to. People got healed without hands being laid on them. Just because somebody took it upon themselves to pray for the meetings. How many are going to pray for the meetings? Amen. In your closet, just pray and say, God, let it run. The devil would want to offend you during the convention. Let's keep him at bay. Are we together? Amen. So God's servants are ready. God's servants have arranged logistics. They are on track and everything. They have announced about eating together. So everything is on track. Amen. So this evening, uh, I want to speak on a very simple subject, the conditions for exodus. The conditions for exodus. How many believe that the conditions are ripe for, an, for a great exodus? Amen. So we'll get into what are those conditions as we move along. Amen. We know that we are in the third exodus. We have had the first, the second, and you and I are part of the third exodus. Are we together? So, but we, we, we want to check the conditions. And if you check the conditions, it will tell you how far are we in this exodus. Amen. Brother Brenham in the message, the third exodus, paragraph 299, he says, the first exodus, what did he do? He brought them out of a natural land to a natural land. He brought them out of Egypt into Canaan, out of a natural land to a natural land. The second exodus, he brought them from a spiritual condition into a spiritual baptism of the Holy Ghost, which was uh, the first exodus, it was a nation coming out of a nation. Then the second exodus, it was a church coming out of a nation into the baptism, spiritual baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now he says, the same way it declared the second one has declared the third one and here we see it among ourselves. Then he says, come out. Come out of this chaos. Come to the living God. Come back to the way. And the way was made flesh and dwelt amongst us. Now he is in our flesh dwelling among us. Come out and serve the living God. Amen. But before we go further into the message, we realize that in the first exodus, Joseph died, and all his brethren, all that generation passed on. And then the children of Israel were fruitful and increased abundantly and multiplied. And as they grew, Pharaoh's fears grew as well. Are we together? But, but I, I want us to get to somewhere to say, what triggered the, third, uh, the first exodus Brother Brenham teaches me that it was a church that was in desperation. He says actually it was a couple, it was Abraham and Jacob that got together every evening and prayed and said, God, we know you are still alive. We refuse to, to live in these conditions. We cannot live like we are not saving the living God. You must be somewhere, God. May you respond to our, our prayers. And it's quite amazing that the more Brother Brenham in the message teaching on Moses, it's a beautiful book. Go and read it, teaching on Moses. I think it's, it's, it's good even, Sister Lorraine, to be incorporated into the Sunday school because Brother Brenham just dramatizes the entire exodus. Hallelujah. So teaching, he says in teaching on Moses, he says, the more they prayed, the more problems multiplied. Hallelujah. 
And let me tell you something. A lot of times we think that the more we pray, the less problems we have. Sometimes the more we pray, the more problems we have. You know why? It's because sometimes the more we pray, we get so much closer to the answer of our prayers. And the enemy does not want us to get closer to our answers. Are we together? He wants to make you, the, the reason when you are sick, you pray the, and you get more sicker. The devil wants to shake your confidence. Hallelujah. He wants you to have unbelief and say, what's the use of praying? But let me tell you something. As long as the enemy fights, that means there is something of relevancy that is coming your way. Hallelujah. As we often say, thieves don't break into empty houses. If you see a thief moving around the house, there must be something valuable in that house. If you see the devil hovering around you or after you, as long as he's in, not into you, but he's after you, you must know that there is something valuable that you still have. Hallelujah. David, the devil doesn't fight, fight people that he has already captured. He fights people that he has not captured. I, I hope you are with me here. Now, Emram and Jacob had got disparate. They looked into the scrolls. They saw the promise that the promise must be fulfilled. They saw that God made a promise that they will sojourn in the land of Egypt, but he is going to bring them out of Egypt. But listen, for, for 400 years, God was silent. 400 years being beaten up daily. Hallelujah. God was silent. Yes, when they arrived in Egypt, life became easier because Joseph's wisdom made the Israelites to be esteemed high. But at some point in time, there arose Pharaoh that did not know Joseph. And the, the brother Brandon typed it when Kennedy came into power and says, Church, there is now Pharaoh who does not know Joseph. And Joseph, brother Brandon, epitomized Joseph as freedom of religion. And say now, there is coming somebody that will not allow anybody else to worship in the manner that we see that God accepted that he must be worshipped. Worship is going to be prescriptive. They will tell you how to worship. And Brother Branham spoke about this thing. Now, when, when Pharaoh came into power, he looked at Israel and he saw that they were multiplying. In the third, first exodus, the church grew. In the second exodus, the church grew. In the third exodus, the church is growing. The more afflicted they were, the more they grew. Are we together, folks? I mean, at this point in time, people thought when people left the message and, and, and they made statements like, I was in the message for 40 years, it's a wrong thing, they thought that the message would lose its power. But the more they say that, the more the message is moving into communist countries. Because this is God's on the move. Are we together? And the more the bride comes under pressure, is the more the bride is multiplying. Hallelujah. I hope you are with me here. Now, now they came a new king with a new policy. And folks, I, I want to say, I'm, I'm saying this understanding, and I, I, you know I'm a firm believer that we've got to provide for our families. Hallelujah. But uh, you, you, you can see around the world that as it started in the first exodus, it's coming back in the third exodus where the cost of living is high. How many agree with that? The cost of living is high. Uh, I mean, in some countries, you cannot afford the cost of living by having one job. People are having two to three jobs. You work during the day. Once you knock off, you get into McDonald's. That's the reality in certain countries because the cost of living is high. But the cost of living is dictated by people. Hallelujah. It's not dictated by nature. It's dictated by people. The reason we have had the economic meltdown, especially in recent years, is because a group of bankers became irresponsible. And as a result, the economy, global economy crashed. And the cost of living went higher. 
why is the devil interested in the high cost of living? Are you here, church? Look, the devil is subtle. In the first exodus, he multiplied manual labor. He made them to work harder so that they can become so tired that their prayer life can become so lukewarm. Are you here, church? It was not just a manual work, but it had a spiritual impact on them. And the same devil has not changed the tactics. He is still here in 2016, but he has just changed how he approaches things. He has become more slicker. Are you here, church? But we'll come into that. Now, a new king came into onto the picture with a new policy. And Brother Branham says in the message, God commissioning Moses, paragraph 4, he says, the Israelites were faring presumptuously down in Egypt. They were getting along all right. The great prestige that Joseph had had before they came by saving, saving Egypt in the seven years of famine, God had given favor. But they came to a time for the promise to be fulfilled. And they raised up a Pharaoh who knew not Joseph. And I want to say, God was ready to get them out of the land of Egypt, but because the previous Pharaoh had made life comfortable for them, God allowed Pharaoh that did not know Joseph to come and make life uncomfortable. Are we together? And I'll bring it to your doorstep. Sometime, and I'm not saying sometime things have got to be difficult, but sometime God allows trials to come our way, to refresh our prayer life. Are you here, church? I'm going to repeat so that you can capture it. Sometimes God deliberately allows trials to come our way to refresh our prayer life. It's quite quite amazing. Let, Let me just give an example. Suppose you lose a job and you've got no means of income. You know, when you used to get into a shop to, to shop, you didn't care about the price. You just took from the shelf and threw into the trolley from the shelf. But, but as soon as things are difficult, you look at it and say, goodness, it is more expensive. It's more cheaper at such and such place. Because why? Scarcity breeds availability. Are you here, church? I'm simply saying God brings us into certain situations. The reason he brings us into certain situations is not because he hates us, but it's because he wants to refresh our perspective about him. Hallelujah. And and it's quite amazing. A trial brings a child of God closer to his maker. But if you are not his child, a trial will take you further away. Are you here, church? Uh, are you not amazed, some of you, great songs that you composed, it was during the difficult time. Some of the best sermons that we preach, we preach them during the difficult time because trial is like a pressure oven. It brings out the best in you. Hallelujah. You, brother, I mean, there is a scripture that like gold, you will be put through the fairy furnace, but you will come out on the other side much, much better. Trials do not break the children of God. Trials, they they really mold the character of the children of God. Are you here? And and how does God differentiate between bastard children and genuine children? He brings a trial. He's got to test you. Yes, you can jump up and down, but at some point in time, every weight that you have ever uttered, there's going to be a trial behind that weight. But blessed are those that can say a wait, and after they have said a wait, they can withstand a trial that can come in relation to the ways that they have uttered. Yeah. Hallelujah. You, you can sing a song and say, I shall not be moved like a tree that's planted by the water. But, but that's you saying it. Let the wind come and see whether you'll be able to sing that song. But if you're able to still sing that song, you can say, David, I sang it before the trial. And I'm going to sing it after the trial. I shall not be moved. Are you here, church? Now, 
there came a time, and I'll tell you why Pharaoh that did not know Joseph, how I would call him a necessary evil. A necessary, they would have never desired to leave Egypt unless Pharaoh that did not know Joseph came. You would never desire to go into the rapture unless there comes Pharaoh that makes the condition unbearable and say, Lord Jesus, even so, come. God is going to push us out of this dimension. Now, when the time came for the promise to be fulfilled, they raised up Pharaoh who knew not Joseph, and they began persecution. It's quite an oxymoron, I may say. There is beauty in persecution, and you'll understand what I mean. It caused persecution that caused the people to crowd together and pray together. Always persecution strengthens the cause. It has been like that throughout the ages. I have great faith to believe that one day before the coming of the Lord, our little differences will be settled. <laughs> Hallelujah. When, when, and I often say this, we, we have become, ministries have become very territorial in the end time, even in the message, to an extent where they've got, they, we've got different camps even within the message. But when persecution comes, you would not care in which camp you belong. Persecution is going to make sure that all the camps crumble and the genuine seed rises up. Are you a church? Because during persecution, you will not link your worship to a church. You've got to link your worship to an experience. The reason today we've got the luxury of, 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 of this division is because our worship is linked to a group. But there's coming a time where groups are not going to matter. I, I, do you believe that? The Pharaoh that, that did not know Joseph will close down the churches. The Pharaoh that does not know Joseph will not allow us to gather like this. There's coming a time where this gathering will be deemed illegal gathering and will not be able to come together. But guess what? Brother Bram says during that time of persecution, the love of God will be bubbling in our hearts. Persecution is not going to take the love of God away from us. It's going to make it more intense. Are you still with me? But let's come back to this scenario in Egypt. I'm going to give an analogy. Don't put on your political cap. Amen. Just, just put your spiritual cap. You, you know, Brother Brenham has taught us that a woman types a church. Do you agree with that? And he, he said the man child is Christ. I mean, we, we agree with that. Hallelujah. And, 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 I mean, these days when we begin to use these gender terms, uh, people have mind battles. But a woman was God's partner in the redemptive process. Christ came through a woman. And even in the end time, Christ will come through the church. Amen. That's why when Brother Brandon preached marriage and divorce, I'm told they were women. They couldn't stand the sermon. During the sermon, they had to pack their handbags and, and really uh, excuse themselves. But it was quite amazing that while other women were excusing themselves, there were other women that were saying amen. Yes. Hallelujah. Because this message is preached dimensionally. It depends in which dimension you are at. And that's why Brother Brenham says, Sisters, wait a minute. I'm going to give you your position. And, and look, it, he hit hard in that message. For you to stay there as a woman, there must be something in you. But later, he had to place our sisters positionally. Are we together? 
Now, in the third, first Exodus, the devil had a problem. There were women that were pregnant, and Pharaoh with his midwives, they had a plan that every woman that will give birth to a girl child, the girl child shall be preserved. We will not bother any woman that will give a, a birth to a girl child. Wear your spiritual thinking cap here. However, any woman that will give birth to a man child, that man child will take the man child and throw the man child into the river Nile so that she, he can be divulged by crocodiles. Stay with me here. That means the devil knew that the churches were pregnant. But he did not have a problem with the pregnancy. He had a problem with the pregnancy that had a man child. Are you here, church? So that means the devil did not have a problem with the multiplication of churches. But as long as there could be many churches that do not produce Christ, he was satisfied with that. But a church that can produce Christ, the devil had a problem with that. Are you here, church? So that means even in the end time, the devil can sponsor as many churches and make sure that as many churches spring up. But he's got a problem with a church that can rise up and he knows that in that church, there is a man-child Christ. Are you still with me, church? Stay with me. I'm still going to come with some things here. Hallelujah. So, today, as you are, and that's why I preached a message somewhere else and said the seventh seal produced the man child. Hallelujah. But stay with me here. Brother Brenham says, and, and you can run it. In the first Exodus, Pharaoh had a problem with women that were pregnant with a man child. Herod, in the second Exodus, had exactly the same problem. Say, if you find a woman who's, who gave birth to a man child, take the man child and kill the man child. But if she's got a girl child, no problem. If it's a church that gave birth to a church, no problem. And, and you begin to see the natural types, the spiritual. The reason the spirit of homosexuality is dominant in the end time is because when a woman comes together with a woman, they cannot ever produce a child, no matter how much they love one another. And what is a woman and a woman in the end time? The state is a woman. The church is a woman. That's why you see the state and the church coming together. They will never produce a man child. It has to be a church and, and, and God himself as a man. Then he will produce a man child, Christ. Amen. Are you still with me? Now, Brother Brenham says, I'm just giving, just affirming to you that a man child is Christ. In the Mark of the Beast, paragraph 131, he says the Orthodox Church standing there, the sun shining down, the doctrine of the 12 apostles uh, with the moon under her feet, the law and the shadow of the things, the gospel is shining now, the law faded away when the sun came out. She was pained to be delivered. She brought forth a man child, which was Christ. Amen. I just wanted to put it across to you. But let's go back. We are not on that. We are in, back in the first Exodus. In the first Exodus, a lamb bled. And from the lamb, the blood of the lamb were taken and smeared on the doorpost, which became a token in the first Exodus. One of the conditions of the Exodus, a lamb must bleed. Then in the second Exodus, we saw a lamb being taken to Golgotha and dying between the heavens of the earth, the lamb bled. Now, in the third Exodus, it's quite amazing. We now see 
a man that comes on the platform and he preaches the message, an indictment. And he says, I want to indict this generation for the second crucifixion of Christ. And this man goes further. He now speaks about the bleeding weight. Are we together, church? So in our time, the lamp bled again. The weight was crucified again. And that means the bleeding weight provides a token for a believer. In the first Exodus, it was a foreshadow. No wonder Moses went there, and when God had told him to hit the, he told him to hit the stone once, he hit the stone twice. But later we realized that although he was not wrong, but he was not actually wrong. Because we realized later, Christ was meeting. But in 1963, Christ was meeting again. Two crucifixions. Are you still with me? Amen. Amen. And Brother Brenham, I just want to read from teaching on Moses. He says, we find out up there praying. Imram got tired and laid down and just prays till he just falls on the floor. And couldn't go further and took a little nap and woke up. What's the matter? And all of a sudden, a light came through. And look, standing there in the corner, there stood an angel. And his sword hanging there on his side. And he looked and rubbed his eyes and pulled up on his knee and said, Lord, oh, what? What would you want me to do? He said, Imram, I'm the angel of God. I've been sent from heaven to tell you God had your prayers. I've come to tell you that he's going to send a deliverer. He remembers all of his promises. I see the angel now. Look at him. He's pulling out this song. He points it to the north. And Imram looks and he says, just the point of this sword lays the promised land. And I promise Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and your fathers that you people will inherit that land. I've heard the groaning of the people. I've heard the crying of the children. And I've come down. I want you to know that you're going to play a great part in this, Imran, because you were faithful in prayer. You were faithful in your house. And about this time next year, Jacobeth, your lovely little wife, is going to embrace a man-child. Isn't it something that must apply in our families? Where we become faithful in prayer, in our families, and say, God, we see that the conditions are ripe for an exodus. God, don't ever do anything without us. And let me tell you something, folks. Today is no longer a church matter. It's a household matter. Are we together? Because what is happening in the first exodus, people were saved based on the conduct of their own household. It was not a group matter. Every family had to slaughter a lamb. Every family had to eat the lamb. Every family had to take the blood of the lamb and put it on the doorpost and make sure that they served under a token or death was going to visit a family. And now it is happening in the end time. Every household must eat the lamb. And not part of the lamb, the entire lamb. As I often say, there are certain parts of the lamb that are delicacies, like ribs. But there are certain parts that are disgusting. But the lamb had to be eaten entirely. Are you here, church? So this means, this message, there are certain portions of the message you love and say amen to that. We appreciate God for that. And there are certain parts of the message that are going to be painful. But you still have to eat the entire lamb. And let me tell you something. During an exodus, a prophet is more relevant than any other thing. Everyone must hear from the prophet. During the first exodus, you had to rely on Moses, on some of the things that looked very foolish. 
And as I often say, you might have cooked the lamb many a times as a sister and put different types of spices. But on that day, your recipe was irrelevant. The only recipe that had to be applied, it was a prophetic recipe. And in the end time, I want to say, you may have knowledge. Your knowledge does not matter. The only thing that matters is a prophetic recipe. What did the prophet say about that? Because there was no margin of error. Any margin of error would have resulted in death. Because God had requirements that had to be met. But in the first Exodus, it was a time of desperation. Imagine if you were an elder son during that time. And your father had come back and told you that the prophet says, there's going to be death in the land. The prophet has mentioned that Unless we apply the token, the firstborn of the family is going to die. And it tells you that my son, even me from my family, I'm the firstborn. Brother Branham said during that time, it was a night of desperation. Because the mother did not want to lose her son. The mother held the father accountable and said, Father, are you sure? Because they had now have known that Moses was a vindicated prophet. They saw him speaking fleas into existence. He spoke frogs into existence. Whatever he said came to the fulfillment. And they knew that he was not kidding on that night. What a, what a, what a time of desperation. I, I can imagine during that night when mommy came back to the father and said, Father, are you really sure that Moses said that's how we need to do it? And the father says, dear, I've tried my best. I've taken notes. And I've compared my notes. Everything looks like it's, it's on the dot. I've done the way the prophet has spoken. Maybe an hour later, the son comes and says, Daddy, you must realize I'm the firstborn. If there is any margin of error, I'm gone. Family members were holding each other accountable according to the standards of the message of their time. No family member covered the sin of another family member. There was transparency because why a lot was at stake. And all of a sudden, at that night, there was a there was a, a howling that came from one of the houses. You could imagine the eyes popping out. And the son said, Daddy, are you still sure? And Daddy says, Son, he said, when I see the blood. When I see the blood. Not when I see quotations. Not when I hear songs. But when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And say, Son, there is a blood that has been applied on the doorpost, and we are under the token. And I had much better put it to you that maybe some from the Israelites must have said, Moses is taking it too far. He's a fanatic. Are we going to put blood here and looking like uh, cannibals or whatever it may be, like, like, like uh, what do you call it, these vampires? No, say. God is not a respecter of a person. He is a respecter of his own weight. And during that night, everyone had to hide behind the weight. And the, the conditions are still exactly the same in the end time. Don't just be a church member. Take your entire household and put them under the token. And make sure that you have applied to the token. But the prophet says, during that time, it was a natural death. Today, it's a spiritual death. We cannot see that you are dead. There we could see that you were dead. But today, you could be de- a dead man walking. A dead woman walking. Because spiritual death is upon the land. Are you not seeing it as time goes by? People are going lukewarm. People are going lukewarm, folks. Uh, today I'm amazed when you tell other sorry to step onto your corn, your your toes, 
if you tell other message believers and say, I don't have a television, they look like, it looks like you have fallen from somewhere. I'm shocked. Believers would even go and break on social media that they are looking at this program on TV. Message believers breaking with unbelievers. Have you seen Dr. Dumi? Big message believers. Sometime when Castas Minya was running, that night most of message believers did not sleep. Some did even not make it to church because they were watching Castas Minya. Are, are these people that are a part of the Exodus? No, so they are not part of the Exodus. And the greatest danger in the end time is that the message community has been infiltrated. The devil has brought some that are not of our own amongst ourselves to dilute our beliefs. So that's why don't make another brother your standard. You don't know whether he's going. Don't make another sister your standard. Your standard is Christ. Because there is mock psychology. I heard somebody when after we said, say, no wonder your churches are empty. I said, the reason they are empty is because we still believe genuine material. We're not looking for a number. We're looking for quality. If we lower standards, we'll have men that have married six times in this church. No, so we're not. We will increase the standard. And the people that are made for the standard will remain and meet the standard. We're not going to make it easier, folks. No, sir. As long as the prophet has never spoken, we will never agree with that. But if the prophet spoke it, we believe in that. And I can tell you, if the rapture tarries, there will rise some among us that will look at William Brenham and say he was old-fashioned. Say, brother, he lived in the 50s. This is the notice. But that night, the conversation was simple. Have you done the way the prophet has spoken? It was not just the reading. It was the application. Have you done it? Was the lamb without blemish? Is the blood applied? Have we eaten the whole lamb? Because if you couldn't finish as a family, you had to invite the next family so that it can be eaten. That those were the conversations. And family members, there was no pastor, family members. Children holding parents accountable. Parents holding children accountable. The mother holding the father accountable. But what is happening today? If my children worship, it's not a big deal. If they don't worship, it's not a big deal. As believers, it seems like we have readily let everything slip out of our control. There is no more fighting spirit. But there, there was a fighting spirit. When that death angel comes, not in my house. It must be an exception. And because the word was applied, God respected his word and lives were preserved. And during the Exodus, there rose men like Dathan and Korah that said, Moses thinks he's a special man. He's got mistakes. There rose even his sister say, he married a wrong woman. The people that wanted to discredit the message were the ones that were within the ranks. But that never made the message of Moses of no lesser the truth. It was still the truth. Are you with me, church? And at the in the token, as I mentioned last week, brethren, 
is about restoring the, uh, the voice of the messenger in our homes. Prayer meetings in our homes. Family prayer coming around the family and making sure that there is a dedicated time for family prayer. There's time where you read the word as the, as the family and meditate on the word and after have a prayer. Such a family will withstand the test of time. But if we are a family, we walk past each other. The children don't see the parents praying. The parents don't see the children praying. That family is not going anywhere. It can look like it can hold on, but not for long. Because the Bible says the, pray, the family that prays together stays together. So family prayers are important. It's part of the token. Hallelujah. So, and I can tell you, some of us, I mean, I came into the message when I was the young boy, and I went through adolescent stage. And adolescent stage is a very critical, and I was, I was a young preacher going through adolescent. Yes. You are not immune from that. But what preserved me? Even at school, I remember the devil became very clever. They elected me a prefect. I was supposed to be a head boy. They said, no, I can't be a head boy. We're not trusting this name, Madiba. He might be too political. Let's, let's make him a prefect for, for social. You know what it means? I've got to arrange social gatherings. Parties at school. And it's quite amazing that, yes, I arranged some, but I never pitched. Because where we worshipped, we used to worship on Friday. So I would be in church while the party is going on somewhere. <laughs> and on Monday they say, ah, where were you, Munna? You have arranged this and you were not there. But because I had a mother that held me accountable. And say, yeah, we are going to church on Friday. Do you see? What preserved is because the another family member held me accountable. And if you don't hold your children accountable, they're going to go astray, folks. If you don't hold your husband accountable, you're going to go astray. At some point in time, you must say, let's pause in this family. Are things going right spiritually? Or has the devil infiltrated the family? This thing is not going right. It's not according to the message. Let's fix it. That thing is not going right according to the message. Let's fix it. And the more you drive the devil out, the more God comes into the family. Are you here, church? And those principles I've worked over the years, they may look foolish in 2016, but they preserved many families. And I'm not saying God is losing power. Believers are getting away from God. And they themselves are losing power. Amen. On your way to home, as a family, you can have conversations. Do we pray together every day? As a family. Not somebody say, hey, I prayed. No. As a family. And you know yourselves. You know your family. If it's not happening, it's a matter of time. And let me tell you something, folks. I, I'd much better say that. It can be debatable where somebody says, me, I've got TV, I can control it. It's fine. We are not going to dispute you, you on that. But if you are a sister, television 80% is premised on sex as an appeal. They can have Beggars that they advertise. But a beggar, they make it in such a way that it resembles a woman. And it hits your husband subconscious. And you are amazed that you have a husband that falters in the marriage. is because there is a wrong thing in the house. You look at your children, they go wild. And you say, I'm trying my best. Education alone cannot preserve your children. You need God. Seek first the kingdom of God and the rest shall be added unto you. And when a family begins to be spiritually conscious, God comes and answers the prayers of the family. 
well edited. When you get home, just go through the message series, the token. Brother Bram actually says, I preached two messages that I preached that were ever inspired. We know that the whole message was inspired by the prophet says the two, the seals and the token. Go through the token and what, check what he says and compare that with your environment. If there are vulgar magazines, take them out. Somebody the other time said to us when we were still in school and said, how are you going to be informed and become the brilliant student if you don't read these magazines? It's quite amazing that the brothers at where we were going to school, SJF and Merve, they were renowned to be the best in class. We produced from the church the best matriculants. Brother Tsepiso was one of them, or one of them, where he became the best student for the entire district with no mechanism of what they mentioned, just the sobriety of mind. Don't allow the devil to mislead you. Are we still together? Brother Brenham says in the message, and it's quite amazing, in the first exodus, the pillar of fire appeared, and the pillar of cloud appeared. In the second exodus, we see as he moves up, we see the cloud, and we see the pillar of fire returning and meeting uh, Paul on his way to Damascus. In the end time, the cloud has returned, the pillar of fire has returned. Those are the elements of an exodus. The invisible union of the bride. It's my last quotation before I wrap up. He says in paragraph 274, pure unadulterated, oh, hallelujah, living soon for the skies. How many are living soon for the skies? Standing ready. Think, your garments washed by the water of the bleeding weight. The weight became blood, and the weight bled for you. You are washed in bleeding, in the bleeding weight, the life of God in the weight, and the weight was bled for you, that you might be washed from the filth of this prostitution and be cleaned and sanctified by the washing of, of the water of the weight, and makes your mind and heart stay on God and on His way. Amen. God bless you richly as I stop here. Give us a worshiping song as we stand to our feet. Brother Dupadi will wrap up in prayer for us. How many say, hide me behind that rock this evening?
Song of Ages. Hallelujah. Our dear Heavenly Father, here we are, Lord, this evening, Heavenly Father. We like to thank the opportunity that you have given unto us, Heavenly Father, Mm. to come to your house, Heavenly Father. We know we are victorious, Heavenly Father, to come and hear such, Heavenly Father, golden nuggets, Heavenly Father, that have, Heavenly Father, come from heaven, Heavenly Father. We are thankful, Heavenly Father, for this message tonight, Heavenly Father. We know we are on our way, Heavenly Father. Nothing of this world, Heavenly Father, that can fulfill, Heavenly Father, our desire inside, Heavenly Father. We know we are in Christ, Heavenly Father. That's what we are longing for, Heavenly Father. That first Eden, Heavenly Father, Mm. where men and God, Heavenly Father, were in harmonious, Heavenly Father, where men could say things, Heavenly Father, and God mm. could say, Amen. Exactly. Heavenly Father, that's what we are heading for, Heavenly Father. Mm. And then we like to thank Heavenly Father for this message that we have given us, Heavenly Father, through Prophet William Brenham, Heavenly yes. Father, to dress us to be ready, Heavenly Father. No other Heavenly Father in the history of men life, Heavenly Father, mm. has given such Heavenly Father message, Heavenly Father, mm. where it can put a man positionally, Heavenly Father, mm. in his post, where it can put a woman positionally in her post, Heavenly mm. Father, where it can put a child, Heavenly Father, positionally That's in his it? post. Heavenly Father, we are thankful, Heavenly Father. Continue to bless us, Heavenly Father, with this message, Heavenly yes. Father. The prophet has spoken, Heavenly Father. Mm. We must just dig on, Heavenly Father 
to go and read Heavenly Father, this message, Heavenly Father. Mm. Get stuck in those tapes, Heavenly Father. Mm. Listen to the prophet, that Heavenly thing? Father. Message that have been preached by preachers, Heavenly Father. Yes. We are thankful, Heavenly Father, mm. for this. May you give us strength, Heavenly Father. Continue to fight for our battles, Heavenly Father. Mm. We have heard also, Heavenly Father, that even if battles, Heavenly Father, they can come raging, Heavenly Father. Mm. They can multiply, Heavenly Father. Mm. We will be overcomers, yes. Heavenly Father. That's what we are, Heavenly Father, because we are the children of the blood, Heavenly Father. In thy rock, Heavenly Father, that's where, Heavenly Father, you have hide us, Heavenly Father. We are thankful of our pastor, Heavenly Father. Every week in, week out, Heavenly Father, he's giving us such food, Heavenly Father. May you continue to bless him, Heavenly Father. Give him more revelation, Heavenly Father. Let him not lose focus, Heavenly Father. Let me not, Heavenly Father, strength go away, Heavenly Father. May you keep renewing him, Heavenly Father. Heavenly Father, we are also praying for your children here. Hear your sons and daughters, Heavenly Father. Heavenly Father, may you bless them, Heavenly Father. Through rains, Heavenly Father, when it's cold, Heavenly Father, they are always here, Heavenly Father. They are always longing for this word, Heavenly Father. That's why we can say, Heavenly Father, bless them abundantly. Heavenly Father. You know their heart's desire, Heavenly Father. You are the designer of hearts, Heavenly Father. May you, Heavenly Father, answer, Heavenly Father, all, Heavenly Father, what are they asking for, Heavenly Father. We are thankful as we are heading, Heavenly Father, for the conference end of the year, Heavenly Father. Mm. May you bless it, Heavenly Father. May all the preparations, Heavenly Father, that are taking place, Heavenly Father, may you inspire them, Heavenly Father. Let us have a glorious time, Heavenly Father. When everybody, Heavenly Father, is gathering, Heavenly Father, but we will remember you, Heavenly Father, to gather in your house, Heavenly Father, to rally around your weight, Heavenly Father. Mm. Bless each and everything, Heavenly Father, that will take place in the conference, Heavenly Father. We also pray, Heavenly Father, for the preachers, Heavenly Father, that are invited. May you bless them, Heavenly Father. Inspire them so that we can be blessed, Heavenly Father. We commit this service, Heavenly Father, to you as we pray in the name of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Bless you. Amen. God bless you richly. Till we see you on Sunday. May God richly bless you. Keep on praying for the convention as families and God will do something and move in a special way. God bless you richly. Just a thanksgiving here. It says, Shalom, saints. Help me to thank the Lord God who healed me after having some severe pains in my head and my neck. Last Wednesday, my healing, my healing came after Pastor Mariba prayed for me last Wednesday after the meeting. God bless you, Sister. Uh, is it Shiloh? Shiloh. Amen. She's not here. Oh, there she God bless you. you. Amen. Yeah, the sister came with a severe neck pains and the head, and she was in such severe pain. But uh, God said, I'm the Lord, the God that healeth thee of all thy diseases. And then we are happy to see that she's well in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. Come up with a song, then thereafter. We'll see you on Sunday. God bless you richly. I'll be there.